This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to Inside Marketing. Today, we're going to be talking about user experience and how important that is in terms of marketing investment. I'm joined today by Maeve Canellan, who is Group Strategy Director at Dentsu Ireland. Welcome, Maeve. Hi, Dave. Thanks, Mel, for having me. No prob. And I'm also joined by Marcus Swan, who is Head of Design for Isobar Ireland. Welcome, Marcus. Hello, good to be here. Good to have you. Thank you both for coming on. And uh, I'd like we start this every week. Before we get into it, how's things? How are people feeling? How's life in lockdown or semi-recovery to normality? Or how's it all going, working from home? Marcus, start with you. How are you getting on? Good. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got myself and my wife were working off the kitchen table together while the hope of getting back to the office was, was still a thing. And now we're in separate rooms because we were just sick of each other. I'm basically on the phone for about eight hours a day and she's a fashion designer. So she's, she's talking to people the whole time as well. So we were just kind of getting in each other's space. We haven't killed each other yet, but being in two separate rooms has, has really, really helped with that. It does help, I think. Yeah, I found the same thing. I I am home alone now. My wife and two year old are gone off, gone back to Bulgaria, so I have the house to myself, which which is great. But it's lonely. But anyway, Maeve, how are you getting on? I am getting on good. I suppose like everyone else, kind of highs and lows of COVID. Kind of loving working at home. You know, I don't get distracted by people talking to me on long rants about the woes of the of you know agency and marketing world and that kind of stuff at home. Don't know who that what that might be, Dave. <laughs> Oh, not me anyway, for sure. <laughs> well, uh, and everyone's safe. Well. Yeah. You're all safe, keeping keeping well and safe and everyone you know, hopefully staying safe. So thanks for joining me. And as I said, we're going to talk about, uh, just for context, we're going to talk about user experience. And I think one of the problems, in Mar- and Marcus, we've chatted about this before, and Maeve, we have as well, the frame of reference of user experience is just so broad and it means different things to different people. And often what where that debate comes from is because it's a hugely important area in and of itself. But actually, like I think about it through the prism of like media and, and advertising. And that sometimes causes a little bit of tension or problems between the definition of it. And it doesn't normally sit within marketing. We'll, we'll get onto that later on. But just to kick off and for context, Mark, I'm going to start with you. How do you define UX and how is it different to say customer experience or CRO? Just to give me an expert's definition on user experience as a guide oh thanks for time thinking i'm an expert on this <laughs> so relative to me you definitely are so that's <laughs> all right thanks okay right well, well everything's relative um so for me user experience or ux is it's a subset of the larger cx offering from a brand or a business so where let's say cx takes into account you know how customers perceive you know all their interactions with an organization across different touch points you know whether it's in store, on social platforms, or or the marketing, or online, UX is really focused on just that kind of online experience. So whether that's a you know a website or an app, or you know even you know kind of you know some kind of messaging platform, you know however your online experience is, that that's the real difference. So UX is a is a subset of of CX. I'm, I'm not even going to get into design led you know, kind of notions of, you know, is there a difference between or what's the split between UX and UI and all that stuff. For me, UX is a very, it's a, it's a design-led, you know, initiative or practice. Obviously, I'm a designer, so I would say that, but it also does take into account a lot of technical and strategic kind of stuff. So it's a core kind of competency for, for a lot of brands and businesses, whether they actually practice it or not doesn't make it any less kind of core or key in the same way that marketing is. So, you know, for marketing is a core business competency. Some businesses do it, some businesses don't, some businesses do it well, some businesses don't. Yeah. Maeve, 
Yeah, totally. I think like it's interesting because, you know, there's all these acronyms and they're always been floating around like UX, EX, Sierra. It's all about experience really, isn't it? Um, and where that experience lies. And I think, you know, when we come to that digital experience, just think of it like, uh, you know, your traditional retail experience. Your site and the experience on site is just as important as all of the work that goes into anything from dressing a shop window to that experience that you have when you enter into a physical store. So think of the amount of research and science and data and logistics and like theories that go into the layout of your shop, product placement, Mm -hmm. you know, what your sales staff are wearing to even, you know, the smell that you have when you first go in. If it's like an upmarket premium beautiful mm. perfume smell to that smell of M&S cookies. You know, I think when we come to UX, we go, oh, are we putting the same amount of rigor into our online experience? Because we certainly should be. Mm. I guess, and I guess they're not, because you can't put the same amount of effort into it. But when you think, it's a good analogy, when you think of, I don't know, say, whatever, if you're Brown Thomas or anybody else, that experience right. of people having the physical store and then, you know, thinking about, well, what's the best experience it could be digitally? And I guess what we're probably going to say is that too few companies put that amount of thought into designing the digital experience. Is that kind of what we're saying? Yeah. And I think it's always on as well. It's not just something you do and forget about. You need Mm. to keep iterating and understanding. And, you know, I think the one big thing that we have when it comes to digital experiences is data, right? And we can consistently be looking at like our funnels, where people are going, what they're interacting with, what they want to be. And that's not something that we have to wait around for a huge, big bulk of research to be done. We can get that instantaneously, pretty much. Mm -hmm. From my point of view, there's there's two different, I suppose, types of experience that marketing and UX kind of overlap with. From a, a marketing point of view, it, it's about the buyer experience. So that, that's a you know that's a really really quick kind of cycle. It's about get, you know it's getting people in, you know, attracting them, advertising to them, getting them a message. But you can also shift your strategies really quickly. So we could be on a different you know kind of social platform this week, or we could be targeting a different um, copy line or messaging um, from campaign to campaign. Whereas user experience is a bit of a slower cycle just because you know oftentimes it has more of an overhead in terms of uh, let's say design and technology and how we can as may kind of said actually understand some of that data so and try and glean insights from it because again user experience as it says in the in the name you know it's there it's about the user so we have to constantly go back to the user and ask them things you know so while data and then analytics is great Actually, a lot of the work that we do is actually looking at that data and analyze it and trying to figure out then the right questions we can ask users Mm. in real life or in real time and kind of say, well, okay, so you you dropped out of the funnel at this point. Mm. What was it about the experience that that wasn't doing it for you? What what did you do? And sometimes it's nothing to do with what's on the screen in front of them. Sometimes, I don't know, their dog barks outside right. and you're going oh and, and you're just done so you know like yeah. it's it's one of those things where you know you can try and you know you can try and make a funnel or a, a website as sticky or as seamless as possible but you're you're always going to be distracted by something else yeah true that that's human true. element that, yeah, yeah exactly there's not a lot you can yeah. do about that at this lockdown has been a strange time because like it's really the coronavirus has really shone a light on on the importance of e-commerce so and what we've seen as well like when people were allowed back out into stores you, you see queues for pennies and madness like that because let's not forget people do love the, the physical experience of shopping but actually 
what had what was quite interesting about lockdown was that people bought things that they previously wouldn't have so it pushed people in into the e-commerce world when probably they didn't and i know one of the things i'd looked like i'd never have bought things from woody's or b&q to go into the mm-hmm. hardware stores it was always a, a trip that i made i drove out to b&q and because i couldn't i actually remember i went on the bq's website quite early on into lockdown and it said there's limits on the amount of people we can let into the website which just re- and it was 52 minute wait and it just it completely really annoyed me and i said well, i'm done with that now but given i think some brands and companies have probably been exposed as having poor user experience. So how important is, is a really a brilliant user experience today in the omni-channel and multi-channel world that we live in? Oh, it's really important. It's like super important. Like it's vital. And it's interesting. That example that you gave is, is actually really interesting because it, it illustrates a lot of the challenges that retailers and customers are, are facing now in this, in the new normal and all this stuff. So there's probably, without, you know, actually unknown why, there's probably a bunch of reasons for that queue that you are in mm-hmm. online. People think that the internet is infinite. It's not. Right. It's, it's it's actually, you know, it's servers in a room somewhere and they're okay. running their machines. So there's probably technical challenges or technical limitations that that, that re- online retailer had that they they just couldn't maybe handle the volume of people that wanted to go on. Could be old technology. Logistically, maybe they didn't have an actual warehouse where all this stuff is gone. Like people see Amazon and they think it's really easy to have a, an online shopping experience. But Amazon is hundreds of thousands of people dispersed yeah. across thousands of locations around the globe. Like Amazon is not a is not an online retailer. Amazon is a is a logistics company, really. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots and lots of challenges that that aren't that traditional retailers like Woody's or, or you know places like that are, are facing and even places like Primark they just didn't go near the retail space they just said no no we're not selling online they lost something like a hundred million pound a month because they all their bricks and mortar stores were shuttered yeah, but they, yeah. the, it, that cost to them was probably and actually was probably less than them ramping up the logistics and the systems that they would need to actually sell online and, mm. and have a kind of, let's say, a cost per sale that was equivalent to what you'd do if you walked into the store, filled up your yeah. basket and went out to check out with, you know, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 quid worth of, worth of stuff. I don't know what a typical Primark or Penny's kind of spends, but I'm assuming by the bags and stuff that I see coming out of Henry Street and Grafton Street and stuff like that, it's a decent whack every time. Yeah, it's a good point, I think, because it could be fulfillment issues. And that's uh, lots of different things where brands were exposed to troubles in terms of mm. fulfillment and that kind of thing. Maybe when we think about great UX and I suppose, relatively speaking, good versus bad, what brands do you think are doing it right? What does great UX look like? And and interestingly, like, does it differ wildly by categories? Are, are there principles that apply to everything? So obviously, CPG brands who, mm. you know, they don't transact online, is the expectation for them to have great user experience mm. and that effort in terms of the site build? Or is it just, obviously, it's much more important for transactional brands where you own the sale. But what does good look like today? I mean, I think like the big thing when it comes to good UX is good UX UX exists when you see a company that has done the work and the rigor. So they've got great research on their users. They've got really good user profiling on their audiences. And it's a company that thinks like their consumer and really focuses in on designing great experiences for the people that use them. So it's very much designed about around the human. And I suppose like for me, when we're looking at like examples of good, I suppose good UX, I think brands that don't have as much legacy. So, you know, 
digitally transformative brands, uh, you're seeing really, really good UX from because a lot of them are built from a digital centric platform. And I suppose, you know, Marcus, you talked about Amazon earlier and you can't really talk about like brilliant UX without talking about Amazon because they pretty much spearheaded that like two clicks to purchase frictionless purchase funnel that we talk about, you know. But I suppose like going in on those brands, those digitally centric brands, like where I think like you get brilliant UX from as well is the likes of Netflix or Spotify, you know, those products that are using AI in their design to deliver personalized recommendations to me. And that's before, after I've even after I've, it's really, really easy to sign up to buy the product, then they get to know me and then they're constantly delivering me those really, really good experiences. When you see bad UX, in my opinion anyway, it comes in the form of like journey dead ends or lost journeys or, you know, when you're searching for information and you can't find it. Like we always talk in media about never, ever get into a digital dead end where mm always be thinking about what's the next best action and UX should be doing that as well on site so really when a person comes to the site and they don't get what they're looking for I suppose that's and you know the action isn't created that's where bad UX comes from Mm. and it doesn't always have to be like that conversion led thing it doesn't always have to be a sale or a conversion it could be looking for information it could be you know you know like getting more information on a brand we were doing work a while ago on a brand and they're one of the biggest largest tourist destinations in town and they're also a massive big Irish brand and the tourist the whole website was focused on conversion so at every single touch point I'm just being told to buy a ticket buy a ticket buy a ticket But to me, that was to the absolute detriment of the brand experience itself. So, you know, like I want to go onto the site. I want to understand more about the brand, its heritage. I want to know what my ticket is actually going to get me, what's Mm. being sold to me. I want to have a few pictures of what the whole area and experience looks like. I want to be able to, you know, maybe discover it a little bit more through social. So, yeah, maybe I want to buy a ticket. But the UX is awful because that's all it's doing for me. So it was, if you go back to your analogy of like, if we think about designing for the user or the consumer, it's the equivalent of walking into a store and somebody running around behind you everywhere going, do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy that? Do you want to buy that? You just wouldn't do that in a real store. Why? I think, yeah, that's an interesting point is that we, that fundamentally, if we put the consumer at the heart of it and say, how do we behave? Like, would we be doing this? Yeah, if they exactly. walk into our store. No, we wouldn't. Marcus, in your view, what are the kind of things that the fundamentals of just good UX, because you're deeper into this in terms of as a job, in terms of what you do and what your business does, what are the, what are the rules for great UX? I think it's uh, take May's point a little bit further there. It, on one hand, it's, it's recognizing what that, let's say, that brand promises about. So if the marketing is bringing you this amazing brand message, you know, whether it's about a location or a retail experience or, you know, an individual product. And then, like you said, you've got, you've literally got someone running around after you kind of go and buy this, buy this, buy this. You're just going to get messed up or, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to get, you're going to get browned off really, really quickly. You see a lot of that with, um, you know, like pop-ups on screen where it's like, you know, subscribe to our newsletter, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it's like, you know, you know, you're a paragraph into an article reading about something, you know, whereas a lot of things will, you know, try and let's say reward you for, creating you know kind of you know achieving something so you get to the end of the article and it's there it's like oh do you want to sign up for more of this so it's about mm-hmm. understanding how people's brains work Pe- you know people are hard word for rewards we all love mm-hmm. that little you know that little kind of notification thing oh someone's liked something great or i've mm-hmm. done something i've achieved something as opposed to bombarding you with kind of more marketing when you're on the site and that's the example that may was bringing out there that was marketing guys as user experience right. as opposed yeah, to yeah. understanding that you know someone is on this page or on this site 
to they might not know exactly where they are. So good yeah. UX is then being able to help orient them and say, okay, we know yeah. we, we have a, we have an end objective. We want you to purchase something or you know kind of do something. Give us money. Give us your details. Give us information. But we're not going to like hard sell you. You know we have to understand. Like I said, UX is is a is a human kind of led endeavor. So mm. don't try and force people into it. And then sometimes you just have to be really the opposite end of it. Sometimes you just have to be really hard with people and, mm. and get them to do things that they might not want to do. It's like well, you know, I don't really want to renew my car insurance, but I have to. Yeah, you know, yeah. Am I making it as easy for that person to renew with my brand as I possibly can mm. instead of delivering them an experience that's frustrating? And I go, do you know what? I'm going to go and yeah. find another cook. I just want to get in and do this. Okay, I guess that's it. You got to understand what people are, what they want from that online experience and try and make it as, as relevant or as frictionless if it's kind of collecting payment as possible. I want, like one of the things, maybe we worked with a lot of clients and uh, with marketing and, and the, the job of the agency is you know, to stimulate demand. That's what we do to drive traffic. And yet sometimes when you look at the online experience of where we're driving traffic to, it's poor. Uh, and I'm always amazed because the first thing I do before I start stimulating any demand and fill on the top of that funnel would be make sure that where I'm sending people to the site or wherever it's optimized, it has brilliant UX because otherwise you're simply wasting money. You're, that's true. I mean, if, you, if you send people, if yeah. there's any leaks on the site, you're just wasting money. And the more money you fill, it costs a lot to fill the top of the funnel. So I'm always amazed that... So in terms of when we think about media and the importance of that user experience in media planning, not just in terms of design, is this yeah. something that you think about as a planner, maybe or a strategy person? Is that at the forefront when you talk to clients about talking about UX and understanding that consumer journey? Absolutely. And I think as media agencies and media planners and strategists or whatever you want to call it, like our roles are changing all of the time and they should be changing all of the time because, you know, through digital transformation, the whole world has become just a little bit more complex. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, but actually, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. And as media planners, we have access to a huge amount of information from the entire consumer journey. So like I'd always say, like the first thing that we should start doing is mapping out the entire consumer journey from the first interaction that someone has with your brand to conversion and thereafter. And then try and like start to understand the different intricacies that the consumer has. Like the, the consumer isn't just going to go through bought media. It's going to cut through multiple disciplines, through agency structures, through client structures in terms of how they're going to navigate our brand and find out information from us. So they're going to be popping through an activation done from a PR agency. Then they're going to see some beautifully bought media, paid media. Then they're going to go on site and probably interlink in some way, shape or form with the website that could be held by a whole other team in our client's business. So really I kind of believe that when it comes to being a really, really good planner, we have to kind of stop thinking about just being a planner and actually start like using, taking some of the mindset from our design friends and actually look at it as like, maybe we should be more ecosystem designers and mm. really starting to own that ecosystem because what that's going to let us do is, you know, Dave, you talked about like, you know, we spend so much effort bringing this qualified audience into the mm. sales funnel through paid media. But like, we really want to ensure that that online user is going to create an experience that will convert. So to do that, we have to, you know, change our mindset, start designing that ecosystem, map out our consumer funnel a little bit more, and actually mm. maybe start looking at things a little bit differently. Like we were looking at a client the other day and they had a really strong or a really large retargeting pool. And the question was, well, why is that retargeting pool so big? Why are those people not converting? You know, 
where are then those people dropping off from? Uh, and also, instead of looking at how can I increase my like conversion rate, how can I reduce my exposures to conversion and start just looking at metrics differently to be able to take a much more holistic approach to that? Mm. I think um, quite often, I think a lot of the issue comes from that UX sits outside the marketing team, yeah. the, the remit of the marketing team. So I know what some clients have been talking about. Well, look, whatever, we, we got to do this. You're trying to sell that. But it's a really bad user experience so we got to fix that and then you're told yeah but that's a different department and I can't marketing doesn't input into that so a couple of questions here first of all do you think that that's a reason why sometimes it's often overlooked just because it doesn't sit within marketing and maybe we speak to marketing people predominantly mm. like should it sit within marketing or is it actually such a big thing that it's just bigger than marketing and it, it just can't sit within marketing because it's so important to the business it just has to sit elsewhere what are your views on that whoever wants to take that one first can take it one question I have is why is it not part of marketing like I know fundamentally, do we not have the same fundamental desires of delivering great experiences for new and potential customers? You know, like, do we not at the end of the day, or are we not all just trying to sell something in some way, shape or form? So, yeah. You could have departments in a client and they say who reports into who. So you might have the tech department yeah. or whatever. And their and boss, it's just the, the politics of companies means that I maybe know. UX can sit within marketing. I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that like when that does occur, because it does, you know, we have a retail client and it's actually quite interesting because marketing and sales sit within the marketing team. And then UX, digital kind of ownership, site, app, everything sits with another team and their KPIs are different. So mm. the sales and marketing team, they're KPI on sales. That's a, a and, you know, like like any other retail, they want more customers at a higher value. And that is what that team is KPI on. But then we have the digital team. And although they still want, you know, there's still the business, bigger business goals, what they're looking at is, well, I want to create really strong experiences. I don't want the site to stop working. Uh, you know, they have a, a huge amount of other like back end objectives. And mm. because of that, fundamentally, their priorities are different. And that can be really difficult to fix and navigate. But like what we found is, you know, let's just kind of as much as possible start opening up kind of cross-functional team conversations. And I think mm. from a media agency perspective, we can be a third party that can come in and just like for nothing, for a want and nothing else, just to share information. Because mm. I think a lot of information and research and all that kind of stuff and those kind of ambitions are quite similar. Mm. Um, Marcus, I guess the people you're speaking to, so when you are when ISOBAR are employed to look at UX projects and that, is it usually the marketing people or not? It depends. It depends a lot of the time on, let's say, the kind of, you know, is it a more, let's say, traditional kind of business or, or you know, kind of product than others? Um, a lot of the time when we're doing, let's say, kind of websites for companies, yes, that, that kind of thing is, is handled through the marketing department. And they may not actually have a, you know, like we've worked for companies doing their, their websites where they're actually are selling a digital product, but we've never, we never got to talk to any of the, the digital product team. Right. Um, you know, it was all handled through the marketing team. And because, of it, you know, in one aspect, that marketing, that website is a marketing tool. And that's absolutely fine. A lot of the time, though, and, and a lot more that, let's say, the, the bigger, more clued in clients that we work with have, they'll have a chief experience officer or they'll have some kind of digital innovation team or something that that we can go in and, and partner with. Or sometimes we actually help them kind of set that up so we'll we'll be their kind of de facto kind of digital team and and help mm -hmm. them kind of ramp that up so we've got kind of 
like in housing and digital transformation kind of thing, you know, kind of projects and products that, right. that, that we help run. Maybe saying, you know, oh, you know, UX is a part of marketing. For me, it's separate. It is separate. There are two parts. I knew, I knew you were going to disagree. This is great. I knew. <laughs> it's part of that, you know, UX and marketing sit within that overall CX thing. And May's point is right, though. You know, they are, they should be kind of, let's say, interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary kind of approaches where we're all focused on the one thing, you know, and, and having separate KPIs or having separate budgets even, you know, and, and kind of everybody's peanut buttering the budget around and everything. And you, know, you get this and you get this. That's kind of getting scraped away where, you know, people are kind of looking at and saying, you know what, it's great having all this marketing budget over here. Or it's great having all this kind of UX budget here. But if we're not getting people in to convert, what's the point? So like a lot of, a lot of the work that we do isn't just kind of looking at, you know, how the site is structured or how pages or modules or anything like that is structured. It's actually looking at what's the strategic fit for what the online offering is, is actually doing. So where does it fit with the marketing? Where does it fit with the brand? How can we take some of the, the technical challenges that the team might have? And it's not that, you know, let's say as a UX designer, I solve those technical challenges. Mm. I talk to our tech team about, well, what's this API doing? What's this platform doing for us? What, how how yeah. can we play around with these things? Do we need to replace them? Do we need to, you know, are, are they being underutilized? You know, we have yeah. a client at the minute that has a whole kind of online dashboard for their client. You know, from it's a quoting, you know, it's kind of a quote engine kind of thing. Right. And it, it's just not being utilized because as part of the overall UX experience, it's not being brought to the fore. So mm-hmm. they're, they're missing out on a whole really useful information, both from a, a UX point of view and from a marketing point of view. Because if I'm doing my job right from a UX perspective, I'm, I'm getting more insights and more data that yeah. can help, let's say, clarify what your, your CRO wants to do so if you want to do a b testing or you want to mm-hmm. you want to switch out the marketing led message at the at the top of a page and um, to align a bit better with the with the ppc or the or the seo kind of stuff we can totally do that but we can also help drive real kind of solutions to things where people are really hard questions like well you've sent us all these people down the funnel but they're just escaping out what are we doing mm-hmm. how are we making this a bit more frictionless or actually sometimes do we have to put more friction in here to, yeah. to, to hold me in. Yeah, and I can I can understand that like there's one I don't know where I stand on this is where it should sit. But like say the media planner, the media buyers, the the agency's job is to go out and connect that brand to customers and ultimately if you're a transaction site, drive people to the site and then sell. And maybe if say you get a brief with that from a client and that's your objective. And then if you if you look at say for example, you might have a million quid budget. And if you think about UX, because increasingly I think media agencies need to have a better understanding of UX and CRO and all those type of things and how the, the full funnel works. So if you had a million quid for a client and they brief you on on spending X amount, a million in media, it surely it's in, you would have a better, more effective campaign if you said, you know what, the UX, there's a couple of problems here. We've done a little bit of thinking about it. And I suggest you take 50 grand out of your budget, you spend the other 950 grand in media, and it's actually going to be much more effective for you. Um, but do, do the agencies think like that or, or would a client say, listen, I asked you to do the media. I don't care what you think about UX, not my bag. That's a very broad question. I think every client is different and planner mm-hmm. is different. Do they? I'm going to say, yeah, they should. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've got, and also there's, you know, there's a very different types of planners now that you have your kind of 
performance-led planners, they 100% do. Like, you know, and I think the big thing is that when we come to our weekly reporting or monthly reviews or quarterly reviews, we are looking at, you know, like we're not just looking at paid media as a function. We're looking at everything and all the data that it creates. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. we're bringing a qualified audience to the site, but we're then tracking what happens to that audience when they come Mm. to that site. And absolutely, like, you know, we would definitely go to like a client and say, this is your conversion, your site conversion rate this year. If we can increase that by, and sometimes it's a Mm. percentage. A fraction of a percent. A fraction of a percent. A fraction of a percent. That will bring you X amount more people to Mm. site. That will do, sorry, not more people to site, will bring you X amount more acquisitions. Therefore, we're effectively saving money on like new tactics to try and, and and I said before, like to try and speak to those people again, to try and retarget them again. How can we just be more efficient with our spends? How can we, you know, and I think the big thing is that we want first interaction to transaction to become closer than ever before. So, and in order to bring all of that together and to bring them closer, you need to have, your UX needs to match your brilliantly, beautifully brought media, you know? Yeah, I'll give you a good stat there, Maeve, to back you up the next time you're you're chatting. A 1% increase in speed on your site equates to about 7% increase in conversion. Conversion, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that's the thing I I love about this because it's not just completely subjective. It's based on data and based on if we do yeah. X, it will return Y, and if we do Y, it will return Z. So it's actually data driven, and the the results of the performance it are are kind of very very clear. We can we can break that out. And given it's so important, then Marcus. Is this something that you should that we see brands are taking in house much more, or is it such a specific skill set that like it's a project based thing? It best practices to bring in external experts or do we see more of it being taken in-house, the design and, and ownership of that UX? It's, I think, both on a project-by-project basis. It's, it's kind of hard a lot of the times, unless it's, unless it's like, you know, a, like a like a greenfield kind of digital transformation kind of app. Now, there's, there's things like we can do, like I said, that 1% speed increase from mm-hmm. a UX perspective, like, you know, that's us going in and making the site perform better without really yeah. changing anything from a, let's say, a, a, an interaction or a layout or a content point of view. Just make the site faster, okay? That's a fairly straightforward tech, you know, U, tech UX-led initiative. Do We do see a lot of clients building up teams internally, but at the same time, sometimes it, it's a bit trendy. It's just, oh, we, you know, we're getting, a, we're having a digital team now. And it's kind of, as Maeve was kind of saying, it's like, well, they've got their own KPIs versus the marketing team. And who's in charge of the website? Is it the marketing team, which is, you know, Mm. kind of being, that's been traditionally their their kind of turf to play on. And now this digital team is in here. So again, what we we have long reaching, you know, kind of an effective UX led projects are, well, they're not, they're not really projects. You know, we'd rather kind of partner with right. clients or, or businesses over a while because again like a website or an online touch point it's it's not just one and done you don't just build it yeah. and let it run you know right. it's you know it's machine it needs to kind of be fed it needs to have tweaks it's it's like an automobile it's like a car you need to change the oil in it every once in a while right. you need to take it out and you know if it's a diesel, you need to run it up the motorway at 120 kilometers right. an hour every once in a while. Let's say UX initiatives internally in a, in a business are a bit more marketing led. They're maybe seen as that kind of, let's say, that campaign or project led thing where it's kind of almost one and done. Or, mm. it, you know, it might lead into something else. Whereas if it's more oftentimes from a, let's say, a tech or a design or an experience led um, you know, that kind of CXO, it's it's oftentimes looked at as, as a more kind of long-term, 
you know, kind of long lead time kind right. of cycle. Because I guess it's not, obviously, you got to think about UX. And I get it, like when you're building a site and it's a greenfield site, you build mm. it as best you can at the moment. But then, Maeve, is that something that you'd look at and say, because once it's built, it's not just, right, we've done it now. I mean, it probably is, it's built and it's great for a while. But then, is it never finished looking at UX, Maeve, from your point of view? Is it, is it just a job that's never done if, if clients are doing it properly? Yeah. Like, and I think it's like anything. It's like SEO. It's like media planning. It's like uh, putting your media strategies together. It's like looking at audiences. Nothing ever stays the same, especially when you're Mm -hmm. dealing with human beings, right? Mm -hmm. How we interact with things. Actually, do you know, there's an interesting one I I heard the other day. A pal of mine's little sister was scrolling on her phone and we were like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm looking for a restaurant to go to with all my friends. And so how did she find what restaurant to go to? Now, Dave, you might say you'd go on Google or something, would you? No, I'd probably just ask Alexa or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, no. So what she was doing. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, yeah, which would be cool as well. But uh, so what she was doing is she was going on Pinterest and Instagram, looking up hashtags right. because she was really familiar. She's like total Gen Zer, like looking up hashtags to understand because she's really familiar with like just the fluency of hashtags and what to go. She can then find right. her hashtag on Pinterest, move it over to Instagram. Then all of a sudden she's looking at all of the different posts that her pals have been putting up within the Insta- uh, restaurant itself. She knows what kind of food there is. She knows who's there of her social her social communities that she knows what kind of vibe it is and she's able to go yeah that looks good we'll book that there. sounds like too much hard work mate just go out and try it you know just go <laughs> i wasn't it, saying it was me but yeah. like just but you know what in terms of that it's like no, no i'm not point. using yeah. google search i'm not going um onto TripAdvisor or mm. something like that where i can or get, alexa for no alexa way. please because that's going back into google search <laughs> but uh, what i'm gonna do oh man dave god what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna check it out on instagram I'm going to find out there and then I get a real personalized response of where I should be going and what I should be doing. Now, if you stopped doing UX, if you stopped profiling your user, you'd stop understanding where they're discovering information and then also how they're using information, how they're speaking mm-hmm. in hashtags over full yeah. sentences, etc. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, it's a good point. And I think that fluidity and or agility across different platforms and, and what that user experience, again, it just goes back to the same thing about trying to understand, which is what we are supposed to be doing as, as agency people, what consumers want, how they think, how they act. And sometimes it's just like a really bad user experience. It's just like, because it's horrible. It's an eyesore. I know we partner with the Irish Times in this, and I do like the Irish Times. It's a good user experience. And I'm not saying it just because the independent are a rival, but the independent is a horrible user experience. Go on to the site. It's just like, I think whoever's designing that said, how many ad impressions can I squeeze out of this page? How many um, <laughs> clicks can I get? Links can I put on? Like, it's just an awful user experience. And I think they're afraid of a little bit of white space and a little bit of kind of headlines. And they're just saying, one visit to my page, I'm going to get as many impressions as I can get from that from that one user. And it's just oh, horrific. We could ch- chat all day about yeah, bad users experience when it comes to display and all of that kind of stuff but it is it's greed and it's you know yeah and it's just again just it's a little bit like what you said about and i know that client you're talking about that tourism site every visit isn't an opportunity to sell something because you just piss people off um we could talk about it all day but we're not going to because we have run out of time so just one last thing marcus if people are interested in saying well, I need to think about UX. I could probably do it doing a little bit of work here. Where can people find out a little bit more about what you, Isobar, and what you do? Who do they talk to? Yeah. you got a website? They can visit us on uh, isobar.com. 
Uh, that'll, that'll redirect them to the Irish version of the site and our contact details are there. They can probably find me on Twitter or LinkedIn if they want to they want to search me and reach out directly. We also work with the, the rest of the teams in Dentsu, you know, for, for clients that are there. So we've, we've got some interest in kind of UX audit uh, you know, kind of tools and stuff like that. So without kind of going into a full-on fix my site, we'll actually go in right. and we'll look at it and, and kind of compare it against either competitive set or against, you know, kind of best-in-class in the industry or, ju- or just best-in-class generally. Right, um, so, so it's got like a, a, quick, a quick dip into, like, by no means yeah, exactly. a, a full UX audit, but a very, very quick dip into it. And is that something that yeah. you're kind of doing as, when I talked about, you know, saying to Maeve, is that what, media people are thinking about or is that what Maeve what you're thinking about mm. is do you do you work closely with Marcus and the guys on that type of thing Maeve? Absolutely yeah I mean and that's what it's all about like uh, opening those lines of communication so uh, we have many a conversation about UX and kind of the tool that Marcus is, is talking about we've used across a couple of my clients and really it is brilliant because what it does do is open up conversations and look at opportunities that you know from day to day when you're in it you might not think of or you can see mm. differently so yeah well worthwhile. Cool. Right. Well, thank you. That is it. That's a wrap. I thought this one would be shorter, but it wasn't again. It was as long as the other one. So, but it's interesting. So uh, thanks a million. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Maeve. Thanks, Marcus. Hope you stay safe and stay well. And just want to say thanks to our partners, the Irish Times Media Solutions and to Kira and Andrea on sound. So we're off for two weeks. We'll be back in three weeks time. Bye. This is Inside Marketing brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions.